Hi, thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Nicole. And I'm your host, Jacqueline. You're watching the first season of Perfectionist. In today's episode, we are going to be discussing part two of Tower of Dawn, Mountains and Seas. So it's a very fitting name for like the travels that are going to happen in this, uh, this part of Tower of Dawn. And for this episode, we are going to be following two parts. We're going to start with Nezrin's storyline, so Nezrin and Sartak, and kind of see what they're up to on their side of the southern continent. And then we're going to jump back in time and check out Kale and Irene's perspective and see sort of during the same timeline what they have been up to. And at the end, the two storylines kind of converge together. So... We start with Nezrin and Sartak. If you remember from the last episode we discussed, they were making their way to the Tavern Mountains where the Rook Riders live. And once they arrive, they meet a very mysterious man and his name is Falk. Now, we didn't learn his name in Assassin's Blade, but we do learn that he is the same man that Selena bought the little spot or well, she didn't buy it. Actually, he gave it to her that little patch of uh, spider silk. Mm-hmm. He's at the Rook Riders like he's there. So this is a really interesting connection to have learned from or well be seeing again from Assassin's Blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I was very excited about seeing him again. Because I had mentioned, and I don't even know what episode this was, that I had a theory, like kind of evolving around the spiders. And my thought was that way back in, like, I honestly can't remember what, Air of Fire maybe, when Manon goes and kills a spider for the silk? Yes. I thought that it was going to be the spider that kind of, made the bargain with Falk. Uh, Falk. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, is this going to come back around? And he's going to like be young again because she killed his spider. Right. But lo and behold, he's still on the journey to see oh. if he can get his ears back. So no, that was not. That would have been such a happening. cool connection though. I know. That would have been a really cool connection. And but, it'd be like just yeah. subtle enough that it, you'd be like, what? Yeah, I forgot about that. Which she still does bring it back in a way because, like, you're kind of like, oh, I totally forgot about this character and his connection to Spider Silk, but he mm. is still here. But she has brought him back in a different way that is even more unexpected than that. So, That's right. Really yes. Cool. That would have been really cool. I just got to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe too obvious. <laughs> Maybe. But <clears throat> I like it. Um, so, really cool. We end up finding out that. Falk is a shapeshifter like Lysandra. And then we it turns out he's related to Lysandra. Mm-hmm. And we I think we are told that shapeshifting is quite a rare ability in the mm-hmm. magical world. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if like I don't think I assumed that they were related 
right from the beginning, but it definitely, as soon as I heard he was a shapeshifter, I was like, Lysandra, like mm-hmm. there's going to be a connection, mm-hmm. but like him being like the uncle, or I don't even know if we know a hundred percent. It just sounds very, very much like that's likely yeah. the case. Yeah. But at first I didn't pick up on that, but I was like, mm, there's probably something there, but I wasn't guessing it was going to be her uncle. I think it would be really sad if they met up because he wouldn't even recognize her because she's not even in her original form anymore. She can't remember mm-hmm. how she used to look. So like if they met up, if she was like, I'm Lysandra, the shapeshifter, he'd be like, you're my niece, right? Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, I was just thinking about how she doesn't look the same anymore and how they could literally pass each other by on the street and not know. Yeah. Well, I think that it's because Nezrin has put it together and Nezrin's like, I think I know your niece. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I'm hoping there's going to be a moment in kingdom of Ash where they do meet. Cause like his whole thing is like, he has given up his years. So he has all this money and wealth and he wants somebody to give it to who's meaningful. Like, mm-hmm. so it's a meaningful gift. Mm-hmm. And like Lysandra, she had the worst beginning of her life, but she is. And I mean, Empire of Storms was not the greatest for her. I think she was really struggling in Empire of Storms in a lot of ways. But if they met up and like she's already been gifted this land in Terrison that she could potentially have eventually if things work out for her. And then it's like she could be set up with a pretty good life in the end if she makes it through this god awful war. Lysandra is such a cool character. Mm -hmm. So through this story we learned that the spiders were actually like kind of a they played a pretty big role in the valg wars so it it turns out that they're kind of like the valg's minions it's almost like i like they, yeah they're like their minions but i feel like yeah, they're just like their underlings i guess yeah the valg's underlings and um what was <laughs> funny is like in this part of the book or well in part two, rather, I should say, we've we they run into some spiders, which we'll discuss later. But they run into some spiders, and these spiders that are uh, near the Tavin Mountains or whatever, they're not the same as the spider silk spiders. They mm-hmm. actually kind of like look at the spider silk spiders, and they're like, they're not like the real ones or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's funny because they're kind of like condescending towards the spider silk spiders for doing deals and stuff like that with people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they think it's like yeah. be- beneath them to deal yeah. with humans, yeah, or other exactly. creatures. Yeah, they're very intimidating. They are. And then they also learn about several Fey Towers that could also hold more information about the Valg. Um, and so, but anyway, so they decide to live with the Rook for a few weeks. And one, because they've learned about these towers, they're like, we need to explore these and find out the information that we can. Mm-hmm. So this no, storyline was, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, this storyline, it's, I really, really enjoyed it. Me too. Um, I was going to say that it was actually to the point where when we would flip back to Irene and Kaol, I was like really looking forward to getting back to Nezrin and Sartak's story because like they were on a proper adventure. Mm-hmm. But um, but then I'd go back to like Irene and Kaol and I'd be like, oh, I, like, I love Irene so much. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah. Yeah, I liked that 
like Irene and Kale, as we mentioned in the first episode, their journey was more like kind of psychological. Mm -hmm. So it was very different than this like adventure. So when you're, if you're doing the tandem read, you're going from the very high pack adventure of Empire of Storms and then Tower of Dawn, we've talked about is this slower pace. But then when you kind of get to Nezrin and Sartek's adventure, then you're starting to get more of the feel of Empire of Storms with the bit higher paced, like yes. adventure. High stakes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It really picked up pace in part two. Um, mm-hmm. I actually really enjoyed part one for what it was. I, I loved it personally, but part two, it started to get exciting and you started yeah. to feel the same, sort of the same feelings you're feeling in the Empire of Storms for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was definitely on the edge of my couch seat <laughs> reading yes. this one. Like part two gives you that feeling of just like, oh, what is going to happen? Yeah, absolutely. Um, particularly like you start to really feel Nezrin and Sartak's relationship romantically and mm-hmm. um so when oh, oh I just have to mention as well like the description of the spider like where the spiders live when they're flying over mm. it's just like solid webs the I was actually looking up spiders and stuff like that it just and there are places in Australia that have like spider webs all over the trees with, with the, these huge spiders in them. Have you seen these photos? I have not. I respect a spider's artwork of a web. I think it is incredible <laughs> what they can do. But I respect it without visually seeing it as much as possible. <laughs> I, it's, the, it's just something about... I'm definitely not a fan of spiders yes and being anywhere close to them visually or fair in reality yeah but I used I, to be I, very I afraid of that. spiders I used to be very afraid of spiders but now like I see them as like my little comrades in the garden <laughs> getting rid of <laughs> getting rid of unfriendly foes <laughs> mm-hmm. so I try to place. like them I don't want them on me mm-hmm yeah like yeah I won't go out of my way to like harm a spider by any means like if it's chilling in the corner of the bathroom you do you you just stay in your corner until I leave please yeah if you run at me you're done you're done for but yeah (laughs) but yeah like Australian spiders are obviously taking things to a whole new level Mm -hmm. even those like like, harmless huntsman spiders I'm like harmless are they harmless if they give you a heart attack (laughs) it is a fair point But anyway, so I was kind of like looking that up curious and I was not expecting to like come across imagery that was probably like I want to say sort of similar, like maybe like baby version of obviously these spiders are gigantic in this story. Mm -hmm. Um, So like I was imagining, you know, like the webs going between from tree to tree, like canopies of like webs and just like completely covered. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. the Australian, the spiders, it's like a spider web forest almost. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. But yeah, you can see the spiders, they look like to be about that big. But mm-hmm. so, yeah. So you won't be looking that up, but I did. <laughs> and I thought that if, if, if you're somebody who has trouble visualizing this, it's something you could Google at your own discretion. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess the webs aren't as creepy as like seeing the actual spiders themselves. Oh, you see the spiders in the webs. They're there. Okay, They're like then all no, over I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can visualize it perfectly, I think. In so I will stick with that. <laughs> okay. <sighs> Speaking of the spiders. <laughs> Sartak is taken by the yeah. spiders. So we kind of are fast tracking the storyline a little bit, but one of the other parts to it is that the baby Rook are being taken and it's assumed that they're being taken by the spiders. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's like the only creature that would dare to yeah. mess with a Rook. So they're kind of off trying to find a baby Rook that has been taken. They spot it, but it's a trap. And the result of this trap is Sartak being taken and wound up like uh, Frodo and yes. Lord so Lord so yeah. that scene was so intense because they're running down like this narrow cavern and it, it. Oh my gosh! And they're like trying to squeeze through this like narrow part, and Sartak mm-hmm. can't get through. And Nezrin is like pulling on him, and then he's like, "I love you." <laughs> and then the spiders <gasps> take him, and I was so choked yeah i was like are you serious like oh my gosh i was so like choked but also impressed for a second because i was like whoa she actually killed someone important here but then it turned out she didn't (laughs) (laughs) but like for for those moments i was like whoa she like game game of thrones did but then she didn't yeah but yeah, so it was just so like I was also so choked. Like, why do you have to wait till you're literally about to like die to confess your love? Like, come on, guys. <laughs> well, yeah. What is she supposed to do with that information now? I know. She's like, like oh, what is she like? I love you too. too? <laughs> is this past tense already? I loved you as well. Like, <laughs> like oh no. <laughs> I know. I was actually so choked when I saw that, when I saw, in my mind, when that baby, when that baby Rook came running out, I was like, oh, it's a trap. And then I was like, well, maybe they can just like swoop down and maybe Kadara can just like grab it in her talons and they can fly away, but it was not to be. No, it was like, it was a massive web that they got caught in and like Kadara was stuck in it. They were like, they ended up getting out of the web, but it was a bad, scary, and like, the tension was so high in this scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that it was very comparable to Empire of Storms tension. Mm-hmm. This, yeah, this whole part, basically their storyline from this moment until like the end of the book was like intense. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and, like, it was. Even though Sartak does make it out in the end, the baby Rook did not. And that was devastating. I was like, seriously? Yeah. Um, Because it's also described in the book that the baby Rook, they're very precious. It's not like, Mm -hmm. it's not like they're just like loads of baby Rooks all the time. They're, they're like almost, I want to almost say sacred. Yeah. It's like the witchling babies. Exactly. So one Rook being taken is like horrible, really, really horrible. 
I mean, it would be horrible anyway because it's a baby. (laughs) But like the way that they're viewed, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of value put on the rooks. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And Nezrin does come up with a plan because with them is also Falk. But he's a little tiny field mouse just tucked in her pocket. And she just is like, he's like, want to come out and fight. And she's like, no, 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 just wait, just wait. And she's clever. And they end up going and finding him in the cave. And she kind of gets herself captured in a way to like get him free. And this spider's talking to her and she convinces it to tell her a story, the story about how they kind of became there. Cause she's like, I'm in a situation. I need to get as much information as possible. And then also figure out how to save us. Also giving Falk time to free her. So Mm -hmm. she's like distracting the spider, but like, isn't going to waste the opportunity to get information. So she is asking about like, why are you here? Why? Like, how did you get here? All this kind of stuff. And she thinks like they're part of the Valg. So she thinks that they're there for Erewhon. But no, no, no. It's not a him who brought them there. It's a her. And we're like, a her? Excuse me, who? Yeah. And you, it's fucking Maeve. <laughs> She's not a fae. No, no, my friends. <laughs> She's the queen of the Valg. <laughs> What? When? Did you see this coming? Not, um, like, no, because we literally were told, literally were told, this is not the case by Brennan himself. Right? So did he just not know? And how could he not know if he's, like, all otherworldly and spiritual? I know. I can get why he wouldn't know before he died. But yeah. now that he's dead and coming back as a ghost, shouldn't he know all? And, like, the spiders even say that she tricked him. Like, in the little spiel, the spider specifically th- says that, like, oh, she even tricked Brannon, not by name, but, like, you know that's who the spider's talking about. And you're just like, are you absolutely kidding me? So she used some sort of Valg witchy power to make everybody remember there being a third sister – and so she's not even related to Aelin. She's supposed to be Aelin's aunt. Apparently she's not. No. What? Like this, When if you have listened to some of our other episodes, the tandem read, we were talking about this huge piece of information that was like the biggest out of both books. And this is it. Because, like, this to me is absolutely game-changing when it's it comes to the story. massive. But so what we also learned, though, was that she was kind of running away from the Valg king. Mm-hmm. Maeve was. So she it, they're not like – it's not like Erwin and Maeve are, like, working together. They're enemies. Yeah. And, like, that is why the Valg were even on these continents is because – she skipped out on her world, found her way into this world, and was hiding from them. And they, like, the Val King came to this world in order to hunt her down. But mm-hmm. she cleverly disguised herself as a fae mm-hmm. and then has built the Doranelle to, like, protect herself. Yeah. 
She's pretty smart, actually. <laughs> She's very smart. And they make a very clear distinction that Valg women are very different from Valg men. and Because mm-hmm. we, we've never even heard of a Valg wo- woman up to this point. They've yeah. always been men. Yeah. So they're making a very clear distinction now. And I feel like the fact that it's happening now and it's being so distinctly differentiated from the males that it's going to come into play in some way. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. So <clears throat> there are people who I've been reading in that book club group that are like, you can skip Tower of Dawn and all this stuff, and you can, but like, I'm judging you. Why, <laughs> <laughs> Why would you? It's actually part two. Like if you're like, oh, it's boring and I hate Kale and a lot, there's actually a lot of hate out there for Nezrin. I think that I mean I can somewhat understand in the way that they're not like provocative characters like they're um, I guess both very like honor bound and duty bound and uh, maybe people find that boring when we read um, Tower of Dawn their characters are really fleshed out and Mm -hmm. when you start to understand them they become a lot more interesting so the what I'm trying to say is that this reveal and also the faster pacing of part two, as well as like all the information we learn about Kaol and Nezrin and everything like that, that actually this actually has made the book, I think, my one of my like favorite books of the series so far, if not my most favorite book of the series so far, um, just because it is very different from the rest of the books in the series, I was not expecting Tower of Dawn to be as good as it was. Like, I think we have to like assume if, if Sarah's written it, it's going to be a good book, but mm-hmm. um, it was, it, it was different in a way that I didn't expect. And I for sure did not see this huge, huge reveal coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think I, I almost heard like a ringing in my head when I read that. I was like, <laughs> what? not believe it yeah I I feel like it was like one of those moments where like if I did not respect books to the level that I do it would be like a book across the room yeah yeah like yeah just but I think that reading this like if you were going to do the tandem read reading this reveal when you read it in the order of the tandem read makes the ending of empire of storms hit so hard yes exactly because then you're like not only was aelin taken by Maeve, she was taken by a valg queen mm-hmm. i mean thank goodness she had the foresight to hand over the keys to manon which is like kind of a risky move on her part, but like best case scenario in this scenario. <laughs> so recently I have a question for you. So mm-hmm. recently I actually saw someone uh, suggest something kind of interesting on the group and I was like, oh, that is an interesting thing. Someone suggested reading Tower of Dawn first and then Empire of Storms because they were like, because, because you know, it's ri- really hard after you finish Empire Storms not to just go straight to Kingdom of Ash, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that was actually a very interesting uh, idea. I I think ultimately I am of the opinion that 
the if you were to read it Tower of Dawn, then Empire of Storms, Empire of Storms, then Tower of Dawn, or Tandem read them, I think obviously the experiences would be slightly different, but I think you would enjoy it either of those ways. Yes. So yeah, I yeah. think that is a valid way to potentially read the story. It would make the ending of Empire of Storms so much more like, oh my god. Like, as you're reading it, it's already bad. The only thing, though, is you couldn't read the very end piece of Tower of Dawn. Oh, right. You would have to stop and save, like, what is that even called at the very end? I wrote down. The epilogue? Is that what um, it's called? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the epilogue. So you you could not read the epilogue of Tower of Dawn. You would have to save that until yes. after you've read it. Yes, otherwise it'd be like it massive spoilers. <laughs> yeah. It would be like, yeah. That'd be devastating. <laughs> oh my so, gosh. <laughs> so please don't. Please don't read Tower yeah. of Dawn's epilogue before you read Empire of Storms. Yeah, because. honestly, maybe it would be better just to like avoid – yeah. But anyways, like, yeah, they didn't even <laughs> mention, like, yet. don't read the epilogue. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I could see how that could be kind of cool, minus the epilogue. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I, I still really like having read Empire of Storms and then Tower of Dawn, just because I think if you read Empire of Storms and then Kingdom of Ash, your your poor heart is going to be in such, like, strain. <laughs> <laughs> yes. At least, like, with Tower of Dawn, you get, like, a sort of a reset you're like, okay, this is like, all right. But there's still like, it's still important. It's still a really good story, right? Oh, my word. Yeah. (laughs) I don't feel like I am falling to pieces. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) While Nezrin and Sartak were busy doing their life and death situation in the Devon Mountains, (laughs) Irene continued on her journey to heal Kaol and now we really do see that relationship blooming because what you know Nezrin left and I feel like Kale understood that like that was like kind of the official end of their romantic relationship and so um you know so Irene ends up telling Kale about um like about like some healing stuff especially like the old like the old ways of healing cuz she actually comes from a long line of healers Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think we've mentioned that before. <laughs> she comes from mm-hmm. a long line of healers. And so she was saying that the old ways of healing spinal injuries have kind of become lost through the passage of time. And mm-hmm. one of these methods to bypass the healing process was to implant a shard of stone into the patient's brain. A shard of stone, you say? A shard of stone. So, like, are Sounds we talking so about perhaps a word key? That's how it was described when it was put into Keltane's arm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the healer who wrote about this method was from one of the Fey Towers that we kind of talked about. So, it's not, like, mm-hmm. confirmed, but seems yeah, kind I of, think- like coincidental it it seems too coincidental or too specific of a description to be a coincidence exactly yeah we uh, had mentioned in the previous episode that we kind of see a lot more of hussar in part two (laughs) (laughs) yes hussar so and his yes she is and irene's birthday is coming up 
And mm-hmm. Hassar and Irene, I, I want to almost say they're almost like friends. But like I think – They are friends. I feel like Hassar is a bad friend. But Hassar <laughs> is like – yeah. But they're friends. Like Hassar considers Irene a friend. Like Irene is um, not just a healer at Tori Chesme. She's also like uh, sort of sort of like a friend of the Cognate kind of thing. Like not just as a talented healer, right? Like, yeah, I think she developed close friendships with Hassar and Cashin yeah. because she like didn't really have anyone else to be friends with. Like all the mm-hmm. healers are quite busy, so they don't really do friend things. Yeah. But then Hassar and Cashin kind of liked her, so they yeah. started hanging out. <laughs> yeah. So that being said, like Kaol and Irene have been doing a bunch of like research and the research mm-hmm. led to... It led to them finding out about this area that might have more information. But it's kind of like the towers that Nezrin and Sartak are going to. It's kind of like that situation. But not it's not a tower, but it seems connected in a way. Mm-hmm. And the thing about where it's located is it's in the desert, but it's a part of the desert that is owned by the Coggins family. So to get there, you have to kind of like have permission to go. And they use it as like almost like their summer house. <laughs> and Irene's birthday's coming up. So she devises this plan to put a seed into Hazar's mind that like, oh, she could really use like a nice relaxing birthday vacation. <laughs> so Hazar's like, yes, of course, let's go to this oasis in the desert. Yeah. I love parties. <laughs> <laughs> and Kale's invited because Irene needs to be close to him for his healing and stuff. And yep. they go off to the desert. And one completely aside, but we have like a fascination with the animals in this world. So yes. Kale is given this horse that is, <laughs> it's not one of the, Astari, is that what they're called? Asterian. Asterian. It's not an Asterian horse, but it's like a cousin to an Asterian yeah. horse. So it's yeah. like kind of feisty. And he, the one that he's given is like particularly feisty, uh, but its name means butterfly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's like super cranky and I love that. Yeah. He's uh. like a super, super cranky horse, but Kale's. It kind of is perfect for Kale because he's kind of like a cranky guy. Yeah. (laughs) I love that it's name. I'm sorry. I I just think it's so cute that its name means butterfly. I think that is Mm -hmm. so funny and adorable. But yeah, so they kind of like go and him and Irene, they they have kind of fun going to the oasis like on their horseback ride because they're like having to ride through quite a large amount of desert to get there. And they end up like Mm -hmm. racing at the end and it's just really nice to see them having just like fun with each other um but yeah they kind of get there and (laughs) they're just like trying to like not so obviously like go look for these like like what (laughs) sacred temple in the forest kind of thing yeah like we're gonna go take a walk yeah (laughs) (laughs) but they do find it though They do. And my first thought was like, this has got to be some sort of like otherworldly or like kind of fae-ish thing. Like it was giving those vibes Mm -hmm. right off the bat. And it did end up being that. It 
it was an ancient fae civilization, like even before the fae that are now in, um, oh my goodness, I'm blanking on the word. Dornell. Dornell. So it's like, this was like the first fae colony. I don't know if that's the correct term, but of the Southern continent. So they were there. Obviously they have left at this point, but yeah, there's like pillars with images of what look like fae fighting Valg. Yeah. So it's like, not only were there fae on the Southern continent before the Cognate and all, all the people who are there now, but they're also evidence of Valg being there. Yeah. That is crazy. Like, to me, it's like, okay, like, I, I couldn't like really wrap my mind around that. Like, okay, so yeah. the Valg were there. Where did they go? Like, did they mm-hmm. leave? Did they go back to where they came from? Well, or like, the have they been like, like, what has happened here? <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel as though I read that chapter more than once because it was yeah. a little bit like, okay, sorry, what do you say? Yeah. What's happening yeah, here? <laughs> totally. I know. I, I, kept, I like was reading the page and I was like, I don't think I absorbed that correctly. I need to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not understanding. So Kaol suggests that the people gifted by the healing magic may have come from the Fae at the site. He has this theory, and I was not 100% sure exactly what he meant by this. And again, like this whole part, I kind of had to reread, and it was just like a little unclear. But he talks about like the Fae planting a seed in which the human healers come from. So I'm like... I don't know if he means that the human healers are descendants of Fae, like have Fae blood, or if like they literally like somehow created them. Or like gave them the gift of healing magic, you mean, but like remain human kind of thing without the Fae blood. Oh yeah, like maybe took existing humans and kind of like planted something within the already existing humans that then led to healers. That's how I took it but I don't know if that's like maybe it is fey bloodlines because so something I want to just like rewind real quick to to the recalling the other episode where we mentioned um that Irene's eyes reminded Kaol of Manon's eyes Mm -hmm. but but like I'm just like kind of like so but Manon's eyes are the eyes of the Valk King and now he's saying she's a healer and I'm just like Mm -hmm. what's going on here help me yeah (laughs) It's a, yeah, so I'm I'm, ho- I'm assuming, hoping that it will all make more sense in Kingdom of Ash as we yes. learn more about the healers. But essentially, we're finding out that healers are going to be important. There is way oh, more to yes. healers than what anybody realizes. Like they mm-hmm. they aren't just magic, like fire magic, or just magic, like ice magic. Like this magic's different. Um, yeah. In some way. Yes. And and it's not even just healing magic. It's not even just like I can mend your broken bone or I can make you your disease go away. It actually goes further than that. Then Kaol starts to wonder, because he's putting all these pieces together of like the work that Irene's been doing with him and healing him and the dark magic that is inside of him that they're fighting against. And then Irene is like healing that. So he's he's kind of mm-hmm. like, like have, has some kind of like force larger than what I can understand sent me to Antica 
not like for this army, but basically like he's wondering if it's like his destiny to have been sent there to realize that the healers can actually like fight the Valg and defeat mm-hmm. the Valg. Yeah. And I think he says something along the lines and I'm like getting chills thinking back to the scene of like maybe the, like uh, maybe I was sent here for a different kind of army. So yes, you've been sent for an army, but it's not the one you think. Yeah. It's not necessarily swords. It might be mm-hmm. these healers. An actually. army of healers. Yeah. Oh, I just got goosebumps like, too. Well, and it's so powerful, the idea that the war can be won not through fighting, through but healing. through healing. Like, it's beautiful. It's actually a really beautiful it's concept. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> oh, getting emotional over I here. I know. <laughs> Wait a minute, folks. Oh, my goodness. But kind of on a more happier note, <laughs> it up before we get yeah. a little too to uh, bog down (laughs) (laughs) is Kale and Irene's relationship has kind of flourished. Like Kale was really struggling with the idea that he wanted to talk to Nezrin before starting anything with Irene, Mm -hmm. but like has come to the acceptance that like Nezrin has moved on. Like she said, she's not holding him to anything. She's not going to stick to anything. Like, in her mind, it's done, and he's, like, accepted that now mm-hmm. and has starting – well, mostly accepted it and has decided to move forward with a relationship with Irene. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of, like – it's something they couldn't fight. It was, like, an inevitable thing that was happening to them in a yeah. way. Yeah. And because he knows it's her birthday, he yeah. goes out and buys her a locket. Yes. And it's this beautiful locket, and it has a picture of mountain and seas – Mountains and Mountains Seas, the title of our uh, part two. And it represents the journey she had to take to get from Fenharrow through the loss of her mother, through everything to get to the Torre because she had to cross mountains and seas in order That's right. to get to where she is. Yeah. And he has such huge respect for her that she was able to do that. Mm-hmm. Like he was so impressed by her. Yeah. And like not only is that in itself a beautiful gift – but the reason he got it as a locket is because he noticed that she always had her hand in her pocket, like fiddling with some object. And he could tell by the way she held it that it was super small. So he like sized out the locket to be approximately the size of the object he assumed was, you know, in her hand. And he's like, you don't need to tell me what it is, but I just want it. I knew it's important to you. So I wanted it to be close to your heart, essentially. <gasps> and so we're like, is this it? Is this the moment he's going to finally <laughs> put the pieces together? <laughs> but no, she doesn't show no. him the note. <laughs> it was honestly so know. torturous. Uh, so I another fake sure. out. I know, I thought for <laughs> sure still, this was the moment. So, so precious. But like, yeah, no, I'm like, this is it. But not quite. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep waiting. That was so, I was so touched by Kaol's thoughtfulness in that mm-hmm. gift like it also showed how much he cared for Irene and noticed like he was noticing things about her yes so yeah the level of attention to detail just yeah back in Antica Hafiza who is the healer on high essentially Irene's boss <laughs> yeah um, she's got like all these books locked away. Irene suspects there may be some information about the Valk in these books. 
So she asks if she can see the books. And Hafiza says they're not for human eyes, but she'll think about it. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean, though? Yeah. My first thought was fey eyes. Right. Could they take the books to Aelin and let her read them? Right. And is it, like, not for – because she's like, oh, like, the information in there is, like – it's almost like it's too powerful for humans. Like, having that information would give you too much power or, like, just – like, I don't know. It, like, made it seem, like, very ominous if yeah. like, were to read it. Yeah. And – I'm wondering if they're going to bring the books back for Aelin. And, like, maybe it's written in such a way that, on, like, only a fae can, like, maybe, or maybe Rowan will have to read it because he can read, like, I don't know if that language, is it just called, like, Old Fae? Like, what, um like, the that he has tattooed on him? I'm not sure if there's a name for that language, but I'm wondering if it's written in that. Right. Oh, that would be a neat connection. Because mm-hmm. Rowan's so old. And I think that's what was written on the pillars because I think Kale said, oh, I've seen these marks before on Rowan's tattoos. Oh, okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That was my thought. And I I really can't think of any other. I mean, I don't think it's for witch's eyes. I don't think it's for. But like because it said not for human. I I wonder. Well, I wonder if the books have magic inside of them that could. Like if you like read literally. it, like if you, you know, beheld it, that you could kind of like um, that, <laughs> what's that show called? Indiana Jones, where they, they can't look at the treasure. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I understand the concept, but I've, it's been a very long time since I've seen Indiana Jones. Yes, me too. Like probably 20 years, but. Um, oh goodness, you have a good memory. Well, not really, because I can't even remember what it was that they were looking at. But I know that what they looked when they looked at it, they died. <laughs> oh no! It's like Medusa, right? So, some some bad stuff went down, and I'm just wondering, like, is does that is that what that means? Like, maybe you, like humans literally, physically cannot handle what's inside. No. Hopefully, time will tell. Hmm. Kale's not fully healed at this point. Like he, I, by the time they went to the Oasis, he was able to walk with a cane. Mm-hmm. But Irene's like, I think I know how to end this. She has a theory about the power inside of her, uh, inside of Kale, which is also linked to her, a theory about like Valg itself. And she wants to test this theory through trying one more time to heal Kale and this is actually an incredibly powerful chapter, in my opinion. Yeah. And in this healing experience, we essentially see all of Kale's insecurities come to the forefront, and he has to fight through each and every one of them. Mm-hmm. And it's chapter 55 for anyone who wants to go back and reread it. And it's just like all about healing through self-love and like that's essentially the premise is kale needs to choose to forgive himself and to let go of all the things that are like kind of hurting his soul yeah in order to fully heal yeah yeah it's uh pretty cool actually 
Yeah, in during the chapter when we're seeing it, we get to actually see his perspective of the whole Rowan and Aelin thing, which I like their romantic relationship. And thinking back to Queen of Shadows and sort of how he was acting <laughs> and how frustrated we all were with him in that <laughs> book. Um, as a Kale fan, I still was like so upset with the way he was acting. So it was really cool to see sort of almost like that moment in time from his perspective mm-hmm. and the thoughts he was having about their relationship and sort of, it's just really the, cool to see it from his perspective, like truly unfiltered what he was going through in that moment. And I think that really humanizes him. Mm-hmm. And then we also like see his feelings around Dorian and all his men. Like we haven't really talked about what happened with his men, but like, that is such a huge burden that he's been carrying around what happened to them. Mm-hmm. And like the fact that Dorian was the one who put them through what they went through and just like all that heaviness that has been weighing on him and like Kale's realization that maybe his father in all of his horrible behavior was actually just trying to protect him from the King the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like that is so, so much to much. go through. Yeah so much and just love the fact that we get this depth to him like mm-hmm. throughout this whole book we've been getting more and more depth and we've been getting like pieces and starting to maybe sympathize with him a bit and understand him a little better but then when we read this part it's just like oh <laughs> and all of a sudden yeah. he just seems like a regular person in extraordinary circumstances <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is like the epitome of like walk a mile in someone else's shoes. Yes, yeah. Like spend a chapter in someone else's brain. Yeah, 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 exactly. Mm-hmm. Irene comes to this realization. Mm-hmm. And I I also think this is, I just, <laughs> this book is so great. I don't, people, you've got to read this book. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> she comes to the realization that the Balg are actually parasites. And this is just so cool because this gives us a way to understand what exactly that it is that they're doing to the people that they kind of infest, right? Mm-hmm. So once they make this discovery, now that now that like she knows kind of like what they are and how they operate and like she's come to this realization, she knows how to fight it as a healer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So this is massive. This is huge. Yeah, and I feel like it makes so much sense looking back on how the Valg is described that you're just like, of course it's a parasite. And it's like some people probably picked up on that earlier. And Mm -hmm. I feel like we have even called it like infestation or parasitic before knowing that's what it was because it's like the way that Sarah describes it, it's just like, of course that's what it is. But you don't like know fully until this moment and you're just like all the pieces are just like click right into place did you ever read animorphs as a kid i i feel like i read some but i don't like remember them very well so i I wasn't super into them okay so the valgar actually sort of similar to the yerks in animorphs because the yerks like they go into the host body and then they like assume control Oh, 
which is exactly what these Valk do, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. creepy. Yeah. But very, yeah, this is such a good discovery because then it's just going to, it like just layers on top the whole like, okay, we've just discovered that healers are going to be like a major part of fighting this war. And now Irene's just discovered how they can do it. Yes. Like what their role is going to be in healing by like it's a parasite. So this is how we deal with the parasite. Kale and Irene discover that Hafiza has been taken. So they go, I think they were wanting to go talk to her about the books again to see if she'd made this a decision and she's gone. So eventually this leads them down into the, of course, spooky library basement. <laughs> because how can you have a library without a without having a spooky, a spooky library basement right what could be down there <laughs> and actually there's some good down there there's a bunch of treasure and gold and that's awesome but yeah, that's not yeah. why we're going down there unfortunately no. <laughs> we're going down there to find Hafiza and it's assumed that the Valk has taken her and has anyone guessed who the Valgus at this point? Because I certainly had not. Neither had I. It completely caught me by surprise. Yeah. It is Miss Duva herself. The Miss can't be touched. And the like devastating part of this, I mean, obviously it's devastating when anybody's infested, but Duva's pregnant. She's got the little babe in her. And so it's like, oh my goodness. It's not just her life. It's the life of this unborn yeah. child as well that is like yep. hanging. And she did get a ring, but for because she just got married um, previously. Uh, and the ring, the Val got clever and coded the black ring in some sort of metal. So it's yeah, like so a fancy just wedding gift. see it. No. I mean, they probably shouldn't have accepted any wedding gifts from Parrington. That was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. But, and like wear it all the time. Like, yeah. Although I guess once it's on, then it, then you're, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah. I think you just need to slip it on once and then you've been yeah. taken over. So it's, it's been Duva the entire time. One other thing that we kind of are told through Duva is that Irene isn't just any old healer. And we talked about how she like seemed to learn really fast and is doing so well and like top of her class. That is because she is not just blessed by Silva, who's like the god of healing. She's actually a descendant or heir of Silva. So she's like got this kind of godlike touch to her. Yeah. <laughs> Which, <laughs> so that explains a lot. Good. It explains a it lot. It explains explain why the Valg were coming after her because she's mm -hmm. a descendant of Silba. Um, and so she's obviously got this gift. And she um, has figured out – because at this point she has healed Kale. Yes, um, he is fully healed. Yeah, so like once they, she realized some things, <laughs> she, she was like – she healed him. And so – Anyways, this is like just massive, <laughs> massive news. Kale is fine. He's running around. He's again. walking now. Sorry. Yeah. I by the way, to mention. <laughs> um, so yeah. So he's kind of back to you know his full killing power or whatever practically. Mm -hmm. Um. So, but through this like whole Duva thing down in the basement there, 
they end up having like this big fight because like Hafiza's like like I want to say like hostage sort of. Yeah. Yeah, and they and Kale ends up getting like really hurt. <laughs> like should should be dead. Like, dang. <laughs> yeah. Um so then Irene, she just like heals the heck out of him. <laughs> mhm. Well, and Again. it's like pain oh. healing because like she's healing him and then on her shoulder is Hafiza and then the other healer who's like kind of second in command. Yeah, and they're kind of like then- touching her to give power, sort of like like a electrical circuit or whatever. Like they're all mm-hmm. like kind of connecting to each other to amplify Irene's power. Yeah, and power. then there's like healers behind and it, like mm-hmm. the chain goes on and on and like all these other healers have like kind of eventually made their way down and they're for a all, minute, like, sending their power to Yeah. It's Irene. incredible. Like for a minute I thought he was dead. Like mm-hmm. gone. And I thought she keeps oh, faking us wow. out. Like I thought Kale was like done for. And then I just I was really like, no, he just got healed and now he's dead. <laughs> right? But mm-hmm. they like I almost basically brought him back from the dead practically. Like he was so close to they being did? dead, like because Hafiza was like, this is, like, such a big injury. Mm-hmm. Like, this is unhealable, basically, right? Yeah. And but so it yeah. has, like, a um, – there's a price that there's, needs to be paid. That's right. Yes. So the price is the fact that now Kaol and Irene have a life bond. And what that means in the future is that when Irene depletes her power, her healing power, that Kaol, all the healing she did on him with his back – it will go away and he'll be paralyzed again. So Mm -hmm. on one hand, if she's at full power, so is he. But on the other hand, there's a war coming that she plans on healing people with and Kaol wants to fight. And I just Mm -hmm. am concerned for Kaol that he could possibly just drop in the middle of a battle and be vulnerable because Irene is depleting herself. Mm -hmm. I love though that this kind of speaks to his growth in that at the beginning it was like I need to heal so I can fight like that was part of his thing about wanting to heal is like she's like you know you can fight on back of on the back of a horse right and he's like no like I want to be on the ground with my men kind of thing Mm -hmm. and by the end his growth he's gotten to the point where he's like I don't care if I'm fighting on the back of the horse fighting in a wheelchair like I can do my part regardless of where I'm at kind of yeah. physically. Yeah. And it he was, was just, just nice to see. Grateful. Mm-hmm. Which was I, an amazing uh, development for his character. Mm-hmm. No, and yeah. I think it like just really emphasizes where he came from and like kind of where he's at. A part, another part to their bond that they have is their life is like literal life is connected to one another. So if one dies, the other will die as well. Or when mm-hmm. one dies, the other will die as well. Yeah. Yeah. So now the stakes are very high for both of them to remain healthy and alive. So one thing I want to mention about that is if I read like is integral to the success of defeating this terrible evil presence of Valg on this world then Kaol needs to like take that into consideration when he's taking his own life into his hands right because it's not mm-hmm. just his life that he needs to worry about anymore if he dies 
Yeah, I'm getting like Violet Zayden vibes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if anyone's read Fourth Wing. Yes. Um, but no, I think that they will both have to have a, and they do kind of mention that they're going to have to work out how this is going to mm-hmm. play out for them when they actually get to the battlefields. But I think that Kale has come come around a bit to the idea that maybe he's not going to be at the center of the fight. Yeah, necessarily. Yeah, but he's, still, yeah, going to be he's, a part of it. he's definitely accepted his position. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, like while all this crazy stuff was going down, Nezrin and Sartak, like they were like rushing back to tell everybody what they had discovered and everything that had happened, um, mm-hmm. because it's like, oh, Maeve is a Valg, right? Yeah. So they're like rushing back, and they end up finding everybody in the basement, and yeah, so and, and they Kale see, like, had actually sent Nezrin a letter being like, you need to come home. Like after they got back from the Oasis, he sent her a letter right away saying you need to come back. And Nezrin and Sartak are like, Kale's asking for help. We need to go. Like this Mm -hmm. is big if he's Mm -hmm. reaching out. Yeah. So Um, they had their news, but like also that. Yeah. Yeah. So they end up like, like coming upon the whole scene. Duva is unconscious. So... Yeah, I I was really actually quite nervous about Sartak's reaction, seeing Duva there unconscious. Like, would they believe Mm -hmm. that she was infested? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The thing with Sartak that I really like is he's just so cool, calm, and collected. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's super cool. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The story needs that character. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So he doesn't freak out because he's just like chill like that and like super trusting yeah, <laughs> and understanding. Yeah. He's just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, obviously concerned for his sister, but like fully trust that Irene has got this. And they do, they take her back to the palace and Irene is able to do something that's incredible. She's able to sever the parasite from the human and actually remove it without killing Duva. Mm-hmm. And this is like kind of where the whole how is healing going to potentially save this war comes, like really shines. It's like, okay, because she can actually save people without killing them. Yeah. And that's that's huge. That's like I, amazing. Like, because no one yeah. thought that was going to be possible. Yeah. That is why the healers are going to be so intrinsic to this war. Yeah. And that's why it's just like so meaningful that like the war could be healed versus Mm -hmm. fought. Mm -hmm. Because it's like that means that no one has to die. I mean, people are going to die. Let's be real. It's a war. (laughs) But it's a war. But, you know, so this Valg that was infesting Duva, we see its true form. When Cyrene mm-hmm. removes, and it it sounds quite horrible. Yeah, I remember thinking like you don't need to worry about getting a spoiler on the, the <laughs> vow because no one in their right mind wants to draw that. <laughs> I like literally tried to look up Valg form, and there's nothing. I'm there's like, no seriously, art. you give me everything else about this series, but there's no art of like what a Valg true form is. Yeah, I would actually be interested but, in seeing it. What I have in my mind is very alien-esque, but more pointy. 
<laughs> I just feel like I just picture the part of Voldemort's soul that's at the train station. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, you. Yeah. I, yeah. I, that's not how it's described, but like, because I already know that visual, that just is kind of what popped into my mind. Fair enough. Yeah. So this Valg is uh, very adamant about the fact that it's a princess Valg, not a prince. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we were saying how earlier how it's important because we just found out that Valks can be female. Like that wasn't really part of this universe until this particular story, as far as we know. Like it's always, as far as I remember, it's always been mentioned as a male. So I think it was very interesting that yeah. the Valk was like, uh-uh, I am a princess. yeah. I uh, kind of like that extra depth added to the Valg. Like there's Mm -hmm. obviously like a whole Valg culture that we don't really know about. Yes. Well, yeah, because they have their own world. Yeah. It's not just like they're parasites of this world. Like they have an entire world. Other world. So there's going to be culture to them to some degree. Yeah. So then um, we're at the end of the story now. And Mm -hmm. Duva and the baby are fine. And we close out the story with um, the fact, here's here's where we stand with the relationship. So Nezrin and Sartak are together now, which, I mean, yeah, like they like told each other, like, we love each other. Oh, we're alive. Yay. You. I'm so glad they're both alive. <laughs> yes. um, Nezrin was, there was a part in the story where they were like, you should get your own rook. There's this rook whose rider died, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, no, no. But then she changed her mind and the rook accepted her. So she has her own rook now, which is so cool. So she's a rook rider. And I really love the part where like she went to go see her family and she's got her like, and they're just like, guys, <gasps> this is so cool. Yeah, to, and then Sartak shows up and then they're like, <gasps> even more. Yeah, like just, just, yeah, they were just, I thought that was cool. Like, especially like from the kids perspectives, like kind of hero worshiping mm-hmm. Nezrin and everything. I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah. And then, yeah, um. Right. Um, and so then another big thing, the Coggin decided officially who the heir is going to be, and he chose Sartak, which makes Yay. sense because he's so mm-hmm. cool, calm, and collected. <laughs> yes. And I love that Nezrin, she's going to get to be like a, a queen, essentially. I know. Like, like wow. Like Right. And wow. I really, I've always really liked her character and I mm-hmm. didn't know that other people disliked her character, but like, I feel like her becoming a Rook and like, it's just like, and then getting this, it's like, I feel like she deserves a win. Absolutely. She's, people don't like her character, I think, because they, when we're first introduced to her, like, there's not really, we don't really know much about her, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's just people were just like, she's a boring character. But we she's just not. didn't know her yet. We just didn't know her yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually quite like her. She's, I think, mm-hmm. just yeah. Her and um, her and Sartak make a really good couple. Yes, they fit really well together. Mm-hmm. And we get uh, a bit of a surprise at the end. Miss Irene and Mister Kale get married. Yeah, I know. It's I'm like so well, happy. We've known each other a couple months, but I still. Love I mean. It. <laughs> There's a life Super bond. unrealistic, but. <laughs> there's, a, there's a life bond there and there's a war. Yeah. And I think that yeah. when there's war, that makes people get married. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah you know. 
And it's really, really sweet. And it's like sweet how it's introduced. They're like just on the ship and he just comes up and he's like, oh, my wife, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, I'm sorry, what did you say? Did you just Your say wife? What? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so Irene kind of is standing on the ship and they're, you know, we find out that they're married and she is thinking about the note that she has. And she's like, oh, I, I don't really need this note anymore because she's kind of like fulfilled what the note had sort of told her to fulfill or kind of inspired her to fulfill and so she's hands it to kale being like you know what we did it we did what we set out to do like i don't think i need this anymore and he looks down at the writing and instantly (laughs) recognizes that it's aelin's yeah or selena's and it's like yes no (laughs) the pieces together Um, and he just tells her I think you I think you should hold on to this. I think you will want to keep this. And he does proceed to tell her the story, but not for the reader. It's kind of like yeah. they go off and he's like, oh, I have a story to tell you. And yeah. she's like, oh, is it worth it? And he's like, yeah, it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Can and you imagine like, oh, being I hear like, it. <laughs> I know, me too. Like I wanted to see her reaction because mm-hmm. can you imagine being Irene and then finding out it was Aelin freaking Galathinius? Yeah. Like, because she said at one moment, she's like, Was this like a god who came down? And it's like, Well, like, kind of, kind like, of, Aelin's not a god, but like, no, long lost princess, good, yeah, still as just close as, as epic. you're gonna get, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, because we did not get the moment of her, like Kale revealing it to her, I'm hoping, fingers and toes crossed, that it's because Sarah's saving that moment for when they actually meet each other, yeah. I'm and looking forward to that. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was like one of my favorite moments of the story when he finally, because I've been waiting for it from the very, very beginning when he first saw her eyes. Yes. I'm like, when is he going to put this together? I know. And then when she would like have the note around him, but not like mm-hmm. show it to him, I was just like, yeah. <gasps> just like, look over so, her shoulder. <laughs> so many times I'd be caught just like standing there like, and then, it, and then the moment would pass, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so Irene is also, at the end, granted a favor by the Coggin for saving Duva's life. Um, and so she asks him to save my people, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Kaol and Irene sail north with Sartak's Rook riders and Caution's infantry. Like, they have this full support. So yeah. this, oh, I got shivers again because they they not only have they have like the support of the cognate. So like they're like, here's the armies. <laughs> Can you imagine the Rook riders? Like now they have like mm-hmm. they have an aerial advantage. Like this is huge. Yeah, we're gonna get Rooks against Waverns, and that's going to be amazing to read about. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then they have like all the other and then like and the healers. They have like this army of healers that are coming with them so we're gonna see so many different like types of battle yeah potentially epilogue fireheart this is the whole thing we were saying like you don't want to read the epilogue if you do this backwards in order like tower of dawn before empire storms because it's like aelin's perspective and she's in Mm -hmm. the iron sarcophagus (laughs) yeah so that would be a huge spoiler Mm-hmm. If if you have not read 
Yeah, and storms. it's basically like it opens and Maeve's like, oh, good, you're awake. We can begin. And you're like, begin what? And then it's like, well, we don't know. We have to wait till Kingdom of Ash to find out. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I am like just – I. I have no words for the amount of devastation I know I am going to feel I know. reading the scenes with her and Maeve. Like, I'm, I'm actually like, art. yeah, I'm actually um, almost dreading it, actually. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, yeah, it's going to be rough to get through. I like, I feel like I'm going to need a survival kit to get through this next book. Yeah, I've heard it's rough. So yeah, I'm almost dreading it because it sounds like it's going to be emotionally devastating. Yeah, I think that is the understatement of this series. <laughs> Speaking of Kingdom of Ash, do you have any theories? Since we have not read it, we can give our honest like theories of what we think is going to happen. Right. What do you think is going to happen? I just did the recording for the synopsis for Empire of Storms. And mm-hmm. it made me think some thoughts about Kingdom of Ash. And it actually made me wonder if Aelin is going to suffer from magical burnout so badly she either almost dies. I feel like she won't die. But I think either she'll burn out to the point where it's like, and then there has to be some kind of trade-off made. Either she dies or, and I feel mm-hmm. like she might pick the or, and the or is going to be that she no longer has magical powers and I also think that that or if she decides like she just wants to be a good ruler she's going to give up everything for her people that when she steps foot back in Terrison that that uh, King's Flame is just going to cover the land Mm. that's my prediction I think that'd be cool completely forgot about the king's flame and i 100 percent agree that that is going to come back in some way (laughs) and i love that i suspect that within the first half of kingdom of ash that aelin's going to get saved i i feel like that's going to be like because we kind of ended not only empire storms with that but also tower of dawn it brings us back to her being like held captive I feel like that's going to be an important storyline at the very beginning, and but that it's going to kind of get wrapped up in the first half and then we'll get kind of like the final battle mm-hmm. at, in the second half. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're bang on with that. I would agree with that completely. I think it would be crazy if Aelin wasn't rescued in the first part. Yeah, I kind of feel like I would be super sad if it's just like Aelin is just Lysandra pretending to be Aelin forever. I hope that doesn't happen. (laughs) I know. Uh, Let's prepare ourselves for the worst. Right. That that could be it. I mean, that's the plan. (laughs) Oh, my God. So another theory I have is I think Manon or Astrin are going to die. No. Uh, I think... Um, I, I bet you Asterin will die. And I think that Abraxas might die too. And I, I really, I know, I really hope not. But the only reason I think that is because everyone says like Kingdom of Ash destroys them, like destroys mm-hmm. them. And I feel like what's worse than like a beloved animal in a book dying? There is nothing oh, and worse Abraxas than that. Abraxas is like the, the most beloved. Like, oh, my, no. 
I, I, I don't I want it to happen. I'm, my reality. I know. I don't want it, it to happen, happen but I just. Uh, I don't know how I could get through that. <sighs> if it happens, it better happen at the end because I might just be done. I know. I know. <sighs> I hope it doesn't happen. But I think I I feel like Astrid's for sure going to die. <laughs> I just feel like she's definitely I mean, going to die. <laughs> it sounds horrible, but I'm like, if you will save Abraxas, I will sacrifice myself. <laughs> I like her character so much, but like, oh my goodness. Oh, I know. To pick and choose, to be an author and have to pick and choose. I mean, I guess you don't have to. You're the author, but like sometimes in yeah. a good story, you have to make sacrifices. Oh my goodness. I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're wrong. I hope you're so wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, probably, you're probably not, though. Uh, we've discussed this previously, but I do think that they're going to find a loophole because there's this looming promise that yeah, Aelin right. has to die. Mm-hmm. So I think either Dorian will take her place or they will find a way to connect their powers so that maybe both of them have to like lose their power, like sacrifice in some way, but won't necessarily have to die, which that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping they can combine their power so that neither of them die, but a sacrifice will have to be made. But yeah, some sort of a loophole (gasps) needs to happen. It has to happen. I just wondered if, I just wondered if Lysandra's going to die while she's in Aelin's form somehow. (gasps) No. I hope not. I feel like, oh, I, I can't pick and choose. No, I mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to read this book anymore. I know. This, like, I was so excited to read it. And like, the more I thought about the theories, the more I was like, I don't want to read it. I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, <sighs> that's just like not. I... <laughs> oh, Lysandra's like. I, I feel like she is so near and dear to me. Lysandra I feel like and she has given so much mm-hmm. of herself for this cause. Mm-hmm. I feel like it is destroying her already. Mm-hmm. No, that would be such a disservice. I know. It would. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this book. Maybe she'll be fine, though. Maybe she'll become a lady of Terrison. Maybe. Maybe she will give like get give some get some kind of medal of honor because of like all of the amazing times she saved everybody's butts. Maybe her uncle will like rescue her somehow. Like maybe it'll be like she's gonna die, but then her uncle comes and saves her because he can also shape shift. Yes. Maybe Falk like, will die. Like and like we won't care too much because we don't know he's him. He's dying for her. <laughs> but he's dying for her. Maybe that would happen. Yeah. Maybe. This is not going to be a good book, is it? I mean, it's going to be a great book, but it's not going to be a good book. (laughs) It's going to be really rough, I think. It's like when you go to someone's like, I love you, but right now I hate you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I love you, but right now I don't like you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That is this book. (laughs) Yeah. So therefore, my prediction is that Kingdom of Ash is going to be very bittersweet. I think it's not going to be, I don't think, I want to say Sarah J. Maas does happy endings, but I don't, just the way that things are going and the fact that it's a war, I feel like, yeah, it's going to be bittersweet. 
A hundred percent agree. It will be a happy ending, but not everyone will come out the other side. Yeah. There will be significant sacrifices that are made. And I think we already saw that in Empire Storms. Like sacrifice was like one of the things we talked about lots mm-hmm. in that episode. And I think that is going to continue to be a kind of main theme. <sighs> yeah. I feel like bummed out now. I know me too. My heart feels heavy. <laughs> actually, It really does. It's like yeah. a stone in my chest right now. I know. And oh, we man. haven't even opened the next book yet. <laughs> Would it be funny if it, well, no, I know. I mean, I know it's not a happy book. I've seen pe- people like post pictures of themselves literally just covered in tears while they're reading Kingdom mm-hmm. of Ash. So when we started recording this, I was so excited <laughs> to read Kingdom of Ash. And now I don't know how I feel anymore. <laughs> I know. I'm really, really dreading it now. <laughs> I know that once you start it, it's going to be so good. Mm-hmm. it's gonna be rough <laughs> it's gonna be so rough I'm like maybe I shouldn't read it on my kindle because I'll just like be crying <laughs> on me like, oh, that that's the real the reason you get one of those waterproof kindles for the tears not because if for the bath. tears yeah <laughs> yeah it's not for the bath it's <laughs> oh Thanks for joining us today on this roller coaster of a ride of Tower of Dawn. Next week's episode will be part one, first half of part one of Kingdom of Ash. So we are going to be dividing Kingdom of Ash into four parts, and we're going to do something different than we've ever done. We're going to read each of those four parts record it, and then discuss what we think is going to happen. So we can kind of have more theories like, do more theory discussion in each of the sections. Yeah, it's uh, going to be different and it's going to be interesting and and we won't think about how hard it's going to be beyond that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks for joining us today and we'll see you then. Mm-hmm.